0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace on this uh, early Wednesday morning in November. I uh, don't know what part of the world you're living in, but we had snow flurries yesterday. We had, uh, I drove through a, a almost ice pellet snowstorm. Didn't leave any accumulation on the ground, but it was like, oh, Dang, I was hoping for this to wait even longer. But friends of mine up north had lots more. And I'm certain my friend Rudy in Alberta has already had snow and stuff. But he's fully prepared with his awesome renovation work that he's been doing. So this morning, part two of a discussion. If you did not see part one or listen to part one, please click the link below. Um, There's a spot there. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, you'll have to click on a different link um, and just look for part one. But it's there uh to me this this is a really really important uh conversation um you'll see why if you if you watched last week you're gonna go okay this this is good and i think today it's even deeper so i'm gonna be listening with you uh hope everyone's doing well comment if you're watching let us know where you're watching from and uh let's dive right into this discussion of the pendulum swings of of grace. And I'll come back and and wrap this up at the end. And I got a great quote to share with you that I got from somebody in my church uh, on Sunday. So let's let's, uh, not wait any further. Here we go. Enjoy this conversation I'm watching with you. All right. Last time we had a very candid, like you joked around, we're always candid, um, conversation uh, about stuff that's, that we're seeing and observing around us, um, especially as spiritual formation shifts in people's lives. Um, I had a small group that I met with this morning, and one of the things we were talking about was COVID has actually become a gift to the church in some ways, the real church. Um, it's attacked the, the system of church in a brilliant way. Um, AKA, um, people now know the church has been lying, that it's actually fun to stay home on a Sunday morning. <laughs> you know, um, my wife is part of that. We've, we've served as in pastoral leadership roles for our entire lives. And to then have to not go, it's been refreshing. Almost peaceful, almost godlike, <laughs> you know, and so that makes us question: What is the purpose of the church? What about doctors? What holds us together? Is it our relationships? Is it our pet pet doctrines? And now we enter this deconstruction stuff too, because we've been we're realizing: Hang on, what we've been sold in the system of churchianity, some of the key doctrines—they're incomplete or flat out wrong—and where's the safe place to have those conversations, which is what most of our conversations here are.
1: Yeah, which is hard because in any, my experience, you know, Richard and I both live in Georgia, which is in the Bible Belt, right? Um, To a large degree, any structured church, I shouldn't say any and every, but the vast majority uh, of structured churches, these conversations aren't easy to have transparently. It's not easy to ask those questions. And so you're absolutely right. We, We come out of that but then we long for the sense of community and where do we find that? And I'll be honest, you know, the, the, the true church, the body of Christ of believers that believe in this exists inside of the structured church, but it exists outside of that too. So I think just for the sake of conversation, you know, you know, I know Richard has the church visible and the church invisible that you've used Richard as, as your kind of words. I love that before. So when we're talking, we may want to have some clarity when we're talking about which church, you know, but there is the institution. And the institution, I think you're right, is, is, is on, on notice right now. And um, but I still my, my standpoint, I still wish or long for somewhere deep down inside me, some loosely structured place or grouping or, or thing where we can still have that community. And I struggle with that. I don't think I have that in my life right now, the way I would love to have it, uh, because uh, not necessarily the fear, but, but but for the awareness of what it can come, become very quickly if you allow it to become religious, yeah. for lack of a better
0: word. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen that there's been more and more division because not only politics, because since the pandemic started, you had an election down the states which was toxic. Uh, we had an election. We Canada. had an election? What?
1: We had an election.
0: and then and then you have the the religious world is now ramping up their their intensity because nobody's listening to them anymore so now they have a new bandwagon to make themselves feel like they're needed and people need to come to them everybody wants the edge of truth they want to be the ones who know more than the others and i think i've noticed that in the pandemic more than ever um, when it comes to vaccine information, who's more right? You know, and then you push, push, push. Now I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating why are we pushing our stance? Because we feel a need to be heard and be right and right. to be in the know. It's like the us versus them that the church has fully set up. You know.
1: You just said oh. in the know, so you said knowledge, yeah. and then you said right, which is of good and evil, <laughs> right?
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean,
1: literally, I mean, we our churches are, are living at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Our politics are living at the tree of the knowledge of
0: good and evil. Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, I, I, we're not the only ones. I'm not the only one who's seen this. I've had, in fact, I had lunch with a guy yesterday, a good, really good lunch. I won't get into it right now. But a person who has, uh, is questioning the system of church now and it wants Jesus, you know? So, and he's been a Jesus lover his entire life, but the system has really tainted things. And so to step away from church attendance, um, the requirements, it's been hard in his family, but mm-hmm. for him, he's waking up and then COVID hit. So he had stopped going before COVID and then COVID forced everybody to stop. So I think there's, there's a, a time of reckoning for everyone right now. And so some voices are screaming louder and louder and they're becoming painful in my ear. Friends of ours, you know the the mutual friends who are, you know, championing um, their bent and their hobby horse, their topic, and just getting louder and more vicious so they're heard. But to me, that's not Jesus. I'm, I'm finding a need to be quieter, and listen. You know, relationships are becoming more important now than ever. (laughs) The system. Are you guys seeing any of this stuff? What's going on in your world? This is my Canadian lens. Well,
2: well, I think that's that's excellent, uh, Mike. I I think that that's what it's all about, is moving Jesus from the external into the internal and into the today, here, and now. Those are the three terms I always like to use, today, here, and now. Jesus is today, here, and now. And there's always powers out there that try to keep us from uh, walking in the newness and the nowness uh, of God. And I, I think that... Uh, you know, well, it's not we're on tape delay. I don't know if y'all ever feel this way, but I feel like I'm. I'm a lot of times I'll hear Jesus for what happened earlier in the day, but I didn't hear it at the time. <laughs> and I feel like I'm perpetually playing catch up. And I said, man, I wish I'd heard that then. Or, oh, if I'd only heard that then. Or, oh, if I'd been cleared. I'm not going to beat myself up at all. I'm just saying that there's so many distractions. And, I'm, and I think Jesus talked about those in, uh, you know, Mark 4 with the soils, you know, about how the cares of the world come in and choke. Choke the 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 Christ life out of us, the logos out of us, and um, it, it tries to keep it suppressed and and underneath. And one of the big ones is institutional church. I mean, using activity, using mindless activity that doesn't take any faith or doesn't take any devotion. Not really. You can do it without it. You're or not. And
0: you're not. You're not attacking the church. I'm not hearing that. You are. You are calling out something that's being revealed that is not part of the true. Life of Christ Church.
2: Right, right. And, and uh, uh, Bill said this earlier, but, y- you know, the Reformers used the term uh, the church invisible versus the church visible, mm-hmm. you know, that using those terms. And the idea being that the church invisible is the actual body of Christ that he can only see, he can only perceive from, from heaven. He lo- you know, he looks through us, at us, from us, all upside, you know, from every angle. He knows where his body of believers, of active believers. You know, and I believe everyone's going to be a believer at some point. But let's be honest, not everyone's a believer now. There are those who those who are led. Then I saw her face. Right. Yeah. Those who are led by. I'm a believer. Sorry. (laughs) Well, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Romans 8, 14. That's one of my favorite favorite passages. There is a leading, and 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 uh, you know, his body has been or his bride it might be better to say that it's more of his bride body really because in a way you know he's not asleep and he's not sluggish and he's not distracted you know but his bride you know it's like we're we're uh, we're waiting for our husband God to really take us on our honeymoon and take us out and show us everything that we need to know but the, but the as opposed to the church visible being the institutional church which is where, Um, you know, basically, uh, that's the people who profess to be Christians. And and how that line, how that borderline goes, the church visible, it doesn't take faith. It doesn't take anything to be part of that church. It just takes naming it, you know, naming it and claiming, you know, to be Christian and having a building and that sort of thing. Uh institutional uh Christianity as opposed to spiritual Christianity. Now, having said that, I I agree, um, you know, I agree with Bill that that there are places within the institutional church where there are pockets Absolutely. of the, of the, of the invisible church. Absolutely. But, uh, but our error comes when we, when we say that the visible church is the invisible church, they're one and the same. And I'm just telling you, they're not, we know they're not. That's why people leave the church because it's not giving them the joy of the Lord. They know there's more in them. You know, and some people may leave because they're bitter and for other reasons than that. That's not the only reason people live church. But I'm telling you one major one is, is because they don't feel the, the presence of God there mm. and, they, and they don't feel the pleasure of God there and they don't feel the peace of God there. You know, the way uh, when, when we sit here and we interact like this, there's two or three we're, we're having church right now. We are the church. But I mean, we're having church, you know, because we're comfortable around each other. and We feel the peace of God, you know, over our words. And that's what we all hunger for. What, what is it? A city not made with hands, and yet what is it's What is institutional Christianity? It is a city made with hands. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and I think the best the best thing that an institutional church can do is the least it can do. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but the most the best it can do is the least it can do. That's to stay as neutral and out of the way as it can. Because something about institutionality want it's like a cancer. It spreads. It spreads. Kudzu. It wants to overrun everything and then and then cover it. Whereas as the the institutions with with the uh, that are the most effective are the ones that give the most elbow room for people to to meet, to come together, to fellowship, and stay out of the way and not have you know not have all of these meticulous planned out controlled meetings and uh and activities which having the appearance of righteousness, but, but can leave us, you know, as, as empty graves on the inside, you know, widens sepulchers as, as Jesus said. So, so that's the basic, basic distinction between the two. We, uh, you know, it, it's really the spiritual church versus the carnal church really. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's what you, know, cause we know that that Jesus followers would never go kill anybody or hunt or torture heretics the way Augustine suggested, or, you know, uh, commit. Uh, you know, support uh, uh, Holocausts and 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 against Jews and things like that. We know that that wasn't Jesus doing the talking, but that was inst- the high mind of the institution that that does the talking. So, um, anyhow, but I've, I've I've said enough. That's that's the basic point.
0: That's uh, okay. This is embarrassing, but it seems like our community clubs are far more like Christ than the churches are. Because community clubs like Lions Club, you know, Rotary Club, things like that, they are authentically community minded. I've met some really good people that are not believers, but they're looking like Jesus a whole lot more than some of my church folk friends. And it's kind of embarrassing. It makes you question well, then what are we here for? Like, I've been talking about my own church here in Elmira. I like to see us become more of a group of chaplains each one has their gift of ministry wherever they're at i got my places i'm good at all and love people my way you go do it your way let's not create programs we don't need an evangelism program that's ridiculous be christ and yes. that is evangelism so amen that that's the stuff i'm questioning and seeing so i'm not alone no, you're not. No, you're
1: not. Yeah, you're not alone in any way, shape, or form. And I think it is good for other people to be able to hear that they're not alone in this too. Yeah. You know, I was on a, I was a deeply invested involved uh, at the, at basically the highest levels of the church for well over a decade and um, 12 years um, and on staff full time for two. So I've, you know, and I grew up inside of the, the, Church at visible, the institutional church with my dad um, being on staff at churches. And honestly, his career was built around facilitating churches. And so it, it when you see that that happen in your life, you know, and I'm not the oldest guy on the uh, on the Zoom call. <laughs> but, you know, for four decades of my life, I've gone through kind of shifts of, of but of seeing that same thing that you were talking about where, where there's, there's this a, a buzz of activities. There's a lot of motion. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, you know, do, there's a lot of do, but there's not in much be at all. Like you just said, Mike, there's not a lot of people who have, have recognized their place in Christ. One of the things I wrote this week and that just kind of hit me like a, a ton of bricks. Um, I see it, it, it with several organizations, um, church organizations in our area where baptisms have become this, Just odd thing. And baptism to me, I mean, I still hold it as one of the most beautiful sacraments. There's something about the action of baptism that's just, it's still just gives me goosebumps to think about. Like the idea of being immersed and coming out and the symbolism behind that. Jesus himself participated in it. That's when, you know, the the father looked down on the son and this is my son whom I'm well pleased. And I, I had the blessed opportunity to baptize my son I don't know when he was like six or eight. And I think he might be older than that, um, eight or ten. And those were the words I said. This is my son, who I'm well pleased, mm-hmm. because I just, I was like, I, like I, I'm dying. I'm like ball and I'm crying and stuff. And baptism has become this thing in these these little areas where I'm at, at least. Maybe maybe beyond that, where it's really about how many can we get a week? And look at us. We've baptized thirty people, and yeah, people have gotten saved, and now they're not going to hell. And next week we're going to baptize twenty more. And and my my thought always goes back to, yeah, but what about the thirty you just did? What about the thirty before that? What about the ten before that? What about the four before that? Are are, is there maturity happening? Is there call us to be converts? Right. It's and it's just it's baptizing people in the name of the Father and Son and Spirit, and then we just and you know and, and we've missed the whole point of the Great Commission. We missed it. We missed the mark of when Jesus is saying, "Listen, go." go to the nations go outside of jerusalem you know and immerse
0: the world that's it can it be. can it immerse. be possible that they're they're doing all these things the stuff of old the stuff we have when we went to church we learned to do that you have, these are the things you do in church what if they're so busy trying to ramp up those to-do things because they don't understand the true gospel yet?
1: Exactly. Well, and, and even so- then, baptism doesn't mean to them it's the public confession of Jesus of you accepting Jesus.
0: Yeah. I know uh, in nothing
1: to do with the, the concept that Jesus has accepted you
0: first. I think we're so busy that even as a in, in counseling, I've 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 been counseled by a professional counselor and uh, still see somebody once in a while but in that i've learned sometimes we have vices we go to so we don't have to feel or think about a deeper meaning we just stay busy because it's easier oh the next thing let's let's scream louder on our topic let's find another keep switching topics because we don't know how to stop pause and feel the spirit we're too uncomfortable with it because we don't do silence well.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really good. You know, i throw a monkey wrench in this whole thing. And, uh, it's, uh, it, here's a monkey wrench. I know somebody that goes to a church that has horrible theology. I mean, it's horrible and, and there's no need for me to really get into what that, to what that is, uh, necessarily. Uh, uh, and I'm not one to give a hint, uh, Calvin, Calvin, Uh, But but anyway, no, seriously. Uh, But it has the meanest theology, but it really doesn't require anything of the members. It doesn't force it down their throat. It's almost like it's so caricatured and cartoonish. No one even really believes it. I mean, they really don't believe it. They don't talk about it. They don't try to sell it because but they congregate there. And I will say this particular church has a lot of people who who walk in goodwill towards other people. And I, I've changed my view of it a little bit just to this extent. Whatever we are, if we're walking with Jesus, you know, whether it's us meeting like this or whether, wherever it is, you know, one, one real fruit of that, one real fruit of the spirit, I think you can just summarize by saying the goodwill we have for other people. Okay. I, I think that's a missing thing. And, and I, I got rebuked a little bit because I would have, there would have been a day I would have judged this church for its theology Rather than looking at what it's uh, how could it you know, come
0: out of Bethlehem, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's what some of these members were doing and they were doing it secretly. I found out that some of them were doing things and they didn't weren't looking for it. And they're all they're well to do people. OK, And they're rich. And I'm not saying, listen, you might have a theological conversation with them and they would just start blinking and not know what on earth you were talking about. Uh, maybe, maybe not. All right, but regardless of that, they did have a level of goodwill, and I, I, I'm just saying I, I'm learning not to discount that altogether, That if that's the level where they can let Jesus flow through them, even maybe on a subconscious level, because their their consciousnesses just aren't aren't that hungry, and they may be they may be more focused on external stuff. But you know what? The goodwill that I see many of them do is really it, it's hidden goodwill which is the best kind of all, you know? And, um, and, and I don't know, it's just got me rethinking. There's a lot to this. My, my, my point being that no matter where we're at, where our hunger takes us, I think we can police ourselves in a good way. You know, we, we can test ourselves to see if we're in the faith based on our level of goodwill toward other people. And uh, that's something that I really am focusing on to try to maintain goodwill. You know, that, I, I know I've said this before, but I mean that's what the angels announced Jesus is coming with peace on earth, goodwill towards all. You know, and uh, I, I think we have a lot of Christianity, even within maybe the invisible Christianity that, that lacks goodwill. I think, you know, the progress, you know, this progressive, we're talking about the progress, coming out, progressive uh, kind of thinking. And a lot of it just doesn't have goodwill. And uh, to me, I don't know, I, my, my heart hungers that the bride of Christ would rise up and we would have more goodwill in us and that people would know us by our goodwill Towards We're each not, other. Not for what we hate. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I think you the rent you just threw in is a beautiful picture of grace because while some have deconstructed to the point of they think church is awful, shouldn't have institutional churches, the bad swear word. But there are saints in those places that are either blind and are still good people. They might have a bad. So they penalty. have goodwill.
1: And just like Richard said, there's some people, some of us. Correct. Genuine. So, Generous people I've ever met are still in the church.
0: So if deconstruction is making you hate people anywhere, because usually your first reaction is going to be, that's the institutional church I'm running away from. So I, I really can't stand them. I can't stomach them. And all this negative hostility, that's not Jesus. That's immaturity. Shut up until you process your stuff and don't process your pain online. I see it happen all the time. It's like, wow, I'm seeing how stupid this looks. You know, do it quietly with good people to to process this with and find healing, because if we're going to bleed on everybody that didn't cut us, we're going to make a mess. Hey, there was a, I'm sure Bill probably knows
2: this, this fella. I, I, there's no need for me to mention his name, but he renounced Christianity. He was selling Christian books. One day he renounced Christianity one day, just, and, and I mean, finally renounced it. Didn't take any time off, didn't pull off the side of the road for a while and kind of decompress and catch himself, he immediately started advocating against Jesus. All right. And then he started writing books against Jesus. So then he developed another website where he was selling books. He kept his old Christian books on there, but took his name off of the website, but maintained the website. They started a new website with books against Christianity. And uh, I mean, I'll be honest with him. I I sent him a message time. I said, what's next? You know, I mean, uh, you're selling books against Christ, selling books for Christ. I mean, why did, you know, I, I, I just was trying to reach him and I, I probably didn't have the best spirit when I was doing it, to be honest with you, but I just didn't feel like it's what you just said. He had to believe whatever he thought in the day, like, like he thought that was the, he was at the end of the road and he, he preached it and he, and he bled, like you said, and I, I truly wonder about people. And you, we, have you know, we were discussing somebody earlier who, who within the space of a couple of months has done the same thing. Somebody that. You know, bill and i both love and uh but but yet he's become so virulently anti-jesus and anti-divine that that with no pause you know you would think if your whole mindset you know your whole mindset was just totally decimated and changed, and you left it behind that you would need some time to build up the new mindset paul but, did, but paul had
0: to go study for a couple of
2: years did he yes yeah, yeah. Hello. Yeah, nine. I think it wasn't nine years. I think it was nine years. Really? He went away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was
2: three, but that's okay. Well, it may have been three. Yeah, is a lot. Yeah,
0: because I just These learned this days. yesterday.
2: I'm going to tell everybody. Yeah, he, uh, today we pushed him out and make him lead a ministry right away.
1: That's uh, true. Yeah,
2: that.
0: So maybe it's that that uh, illusion that is creating a problem, right? We've set up people to think that you in order to have value or a voice you have to be a christian leader teacher ministry leader so now everybody's trying to build their platform yeah but i'm finding unfortunately i, I didn't realize i was i could have looked like this at some point that self promotion is an awful thing it's like oh no is that what it looked like i know <laughs> i know i making
1: i did. Over the last probably two years, I think all three of us have, because I know you both pretty well, kind of done the same thing, kind of done one of those, like, we're kind of going to pull back a little bit. I know I haven't. And, and kind of well, this,
0: this program, I call it Still Growing in Grace because of that. It was back then that I realized, hang on, I don't have the grace message. I have a message that is growing, and none of us have arrived. And so to have people speak from a place of arrival and dogmatic Mixing in their cultural crap and and politics and whatever hobby horse they're riding, it's
1: well, oh, it's hard. And one of the one of the other aspects of this, and this is just, I think it's a good to articulate this because more than likely someone else besides the three of us is watching and observed the same thing, and maybe they have a confusion about it or they they don't have words to it. Um, but but so many of the people who have claimed to arrive in any way, shape, or form many of whom, as we discussed last week, are, are now in a place of quote-unquote spirituality that no longer needs Jesus, no longer needs this. They're I think that's overrunning up. the
0: base. I just think it is. It the, inter-
1: the interesting thing about them is, I think there's a, a, one of the words that came to me this week was revisionism, revisionism or revisionist, that that they're being unwilling to be honest with their own journey of faith. And the imperative and, and foundational component to a very massive paradigm shift that was completely guided by the story and person of Jesus. We all know them. We know we watched their journey. We participated with many of their journeys, and Jesus was at the core of why they left the foundational, institutional, hyper-religious, using Jesus in the wrong way sense church, through the Jesus story Jesus was the one that that inspired them to see these things from a new, only Jesus, only the cross, only the message of grace was what pulled them out of that. And then they act, they kind of like just have dropped it like a rock, like that never happened. And I just still gotten to where I am today without the Jesus message, which is bullshit. Right. <laughs> right? It, it is. And, and so I think that's the one thing for me. It was Jesus that, that has taken me out of some of the misinterpretations that I was raised within. And I can't imagine setting that aside because without that, that, uh, I I'm, I'm not being truthful with my own story. I'm not being truthful with the shepherd that guided me through that, that wilderness, so to speak.
0: So maybe your story needs to be shared more often. Maybe our stories, not
1: honesty. but with honesty, that's with, what I mean, honestly, all the pieces of our story, we can't leave out massive. The dark,
0: yep. The dark. I heard Paul Young in a video today uh, tell us a, a lady asked a question about how to, how then do we bring this message? He said, tell the your story, but the whole story, mm. the, the bad, the good, the dark, the light transparency and honesty, transparency breeds transparency and authenticity. And I think maybe that's the word I'm after now that the authenticity of faith has um, it, it's being revealed that there isn't one, it's a system. And so when we hear authentic faith, we're drawn to it yes. and, and don't overrun the base. Take yeah. time, slow down. There is no rush to grow. I just told a young man that about an hour ago he said, don't hurry up to be good at what you do. You're not trying to press anyone. Slow down, less is more. Like, look who's talking here. Holy smokes. <laughs> you know? You're right. and,
1: and I think that's the one thing that, you know, not to parallel it too, too hard, but the, the scriptures that the, the we have that have become this idol into in a certain aspect and are being thrown out by another group, that's the beauty of the scriptures is their authenticity. Mm-hmm. Like we have a story of, and we talked about uh, Ananias and Sapphira just the other day. That is a a painfully transparent account of the early church, you know, right there smack dab in the middle of it. And the authenticity, uh, authenticity of those scriptures is what makes that story so powerful still to this day. That it's not cleaned up, unicorns and rainbows, (laughs) the whole thing, right? Jesus himself left to a large degree, stopped preaching in the institutional church of his day. He stopped preaching in the synagogues because they they couldn't take the message he had. And I think the three of us have that same struggle in some regard in our own little worlds, right? Paul, same thing. He tried to take it to the synagogues. They didn't really want to hear it. So he had to take it out to the people who would listen. And so it's amazing the parallels that happen even in scripture that we can take with us today that still provide at least comfort peace, wisdom, some guidance. Um, we don't have to hyper-literalize them, but we can also recognize the patterns and, and where they lead us, which is ultimately Christ.
2: Well, and and it, it has flaws. It's so authentic that it has authentic human flaws in it. Absolutely. But they're they're recognizable flaws. Yep. And they're they're flaws that that Jesus teaches us, he warns us about and tells us, you know, and Paul as well, they warn us to listen. You're going to have people try to take you to the dead letter. You know, don't go there, you know, yeah. don't and and stay in the living spirit. And, you know, the Old Testament was written as examples for you not to follow. You know, but I will say this, I, I, I will say this, that uh, uh, that it's interesting to me that uh, there's a I don't know if you all remember when uh, and this just came to me when, when Bill was talking a second ago. But, you know, when Moses went up on the mountain, he was gone for such a long period of time and everyone got impatient down the bottom. And then Aaron, they kind of force Aaron to to make a uh, make an idol. But they don't really force him. They just tell him, you know, Moses is gone. That man of God, you know, that, when, and, and Mike, what you were saying earlier about being in a hurry. You know, they were they were in a hurry. Hmm. So uh, basically, uh, so some uh, Moses, I mean, Aaron puts this gold in the fire and it comes out with Baal. All right. And he says, well, and he, he explains it to Moses later and says, well, it just kind of formed itself. But well, yeah, baloney, you know, baloney, you know, they wanted a God they could see and not have to worry about. And, but see, that wasn't so we could criticize Jewish people because they're blessed. All right. But that's for us to see that in our own lives, we've wanted a God we can see. We want a Baal. You know, we want a bail or a church bale,
0: <laughs> uh, okay. uh,
2: uh, you know, a God we can see, touch, taste, a building. We want to equate God with the building, which if we were honest, I know I'm being honest, I'll be transparent. I used to equate God with a building, you know, with, with these buildings and with the high structures and all. But I, because it was something I could see because my faith wasn't in an intimate enough place with the Lord that I could that I could just be with the Lord without ever having to darken a building again. And not to say that a building is evil, but it is evil if it is evil to you, or at least it's an obstruction to you if you think that's God and you can't differentiate the two. So, and that whoever takes the podium speaks for God. Yeah. I mean, we, the best we can do is speak with God. That's the very best we can do. Well, didn't Moses
0: say, you have, how how long must God and I put up with you? Yes. That arrogant thing that, like, I like what you just said that the church building isn't evil in and of itself because there's still beautiful art in there. There is inspiration that's got into buildings. Um, we can learn much from it, but our attitude towards uh, the systems and what we were raised in, we judge all these places. Well, maybe you can judge it for what it originated as. Maybe there was a good intent and maybe there's bad blood on it, fine. But that did not that's not the topic that we're supposed to be investing our lives in. People are the topic. Right. Not and we're always, we're always looking,
2: in, in our flesh, I think this is right, we're always looking for something to mediate God to us. You know, and, and we don't think we're good enough. We don't think we're, we can hear God enough. We don't think we're, we're wholehearted enough. So we look for mediators.
0: And you know, raise and that, up others that we think are good. Yes. It raise up yes. people and get their heads stuffed full. That's not fair either. Exactly.
2: But it distances us. You know, I read once about goldfish or fish, uh, schools of fish, that they, they swim together as a defense mechanism so that uh, that they hide. They're able to hide from the enemy because there's so many of them together and they're floating they're together and they're able to hide. And it, it hit me one, one day, man, I, I was shocked. I was, sitting, I was looking at a church full of people and I was saying, God, could we be hiding? Could we actually be hiding from God, mm-hmm. you know, using that same principle that we swim in a school so that we can hide? you know, and, and I'm sure that's not true in in many, many cases, but I'm sure it's probably true in a lot of cases.
0: So the fig leaves are brand names now.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? There's no condemnation over any of this. You know, it's just recognizing the things, anything, you know, there is no, Jesus is the, is our mediator. He is our only mediator. And, and, and I think that, that, uh, that's why we're what are we? A nation of priests, right? We're a nation of priests, the priesthood of the believer. That's the very foundation thing of, 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 of you know of our modern Christianity is, is priesthood of the believer. And yet we still
0: want other priests to
2: come in
0: and you re-priest just, us. You just confirm my chaplaincy idea, because it's the same thing. It's, we're all we're all priests, we're all ministers. We're all, I'm just well, using well. the word chaplain because it cl- clicks with me, but maybe that's what the church is and it is it's we're all ministers i'm not supposed to do all the work all
1: ministers of reconciliation right right? yeah
0: not ministers of condemnation and shame and guilt
1: yeah so man well you know going i i think this slightly fits here it's it's terminology can be such a such a box right Mm -hmm. Uh, language is just incomplete always so you know, putting labels on things is tough, but using the dialogue that we all understand is easy here. But that's one of my personal definitions for disciple. I mean, I think both of you've heard this, but I think it's a good place for it. When you look at the progression of Jesus and he picks these guys, he gets a tax collector and some fishermen and, you know, he slaps these guys together and he goes and gets Peter and he's he's got these guys, they're his disciples, they're his followers, right? Um, They're in a very if we're being honest, immature state of belief. These are all Jewish people following the Jewish law. Um, it's my opinion. They were eschatologists. They were These were guys focused on the inevitability of the Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. They were looking for the Messiah. Jesus comes along, and he's, a, he's this prophet. He's done some stuff, and he's probably heard his name or a rumor about him, and he asked him to follow him, and they're like, dude, we get aligned with the right guy. We're taking over And we're we're the we're the inside circle, right? We're the inside circle to the guy who's going to go up on that temple and he's going to kick ass, take names. He's going to boot Rome. He's going to kick out Herod, and boom, we're in charge. That's who these guys were. That's what they were all about. If we don't read the scriptures, the gospel accounts with that filter about how Jesus communicated them, we're missing one thing. But what they really were, they were confused. They were all in. They were all about this Jesus guy. But they were painfully confused.
0: Sounds like deconstruction. Yes. All the way up (laughs) in
1: in and through, in and through his death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Even then, they're still going, what? What? And 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 discipleship. It's so funny because we're making disciples of all men, right? Just what Jesus said, all people. It's okay to be confused, is what it taught me for a lot of years. Like there's a season for confusion where it's it's okay but these men grew out of it right paul took like we said years to for the scales to fall off his eyes to days but it still took him years to kind of process what he experienced um from his transition to saul to paul right and so we don't have to be in a hurry just like you said but there is growth yeah there is growth there is a path these people stop be called disciples that's soothed
0: there's got to come out of your mouth sometime
1: Right? And they became apostles, not to make that a label, not to make that a word, but they became ministers of reconciliation, right? And and they became healers. They became miracle workers. They became something that they never believed they could be, um, not by their own means, but by allowing the active spirit of of Christ, Holy Spirit inside of them to, to, to grow them in this knowledge of grace and truth that Jesus personified.
2: You know, you know, I was when you were talking, I was thinking about, yeah, how when he's talking about those, Jesus is talking about those who are born again, they're like the wind. You don't know where they're coming from or where they're going to. I think those who are born of the institution, you know exactly where they're coming from and where they're going to, because it's all set out. So really, you know, what we learn through the wilderness (laughs) is we learn to not have the pre plan you know, so so that really, I, I believe that Paul's big thing, and he continued to work, even as an apostle, he continued to work past it, was his ideas of controlling. You know, he tells the first Corinthian letters, you know, to do one thing with this guy that's caught in sin. Then he tells him in the second letter, take him back and forgive him. I kind of spoke harshly, you know. I mean, it's it. you never know where the next place the Lord is going to take you. And you remember when we said last last time we talked about getting Moses You know, Moses got the uh, Israelites out of Egypt, but then the wilderness was about getting Egypt out of the Israelites. That was good. You know, and we're deconstruction is wilderness. You know, it's it's to get the systems, because if we don't, then we'll we'll languish and just have more institutionalized progressive stuff going on, which is the last thing we want. We want to move on to the third stage, which is the promised land where we rest because we don't know. (laughs) we we've crucified our expectations other than a belief in a good God and other other than the belief that we know his nature his nature will lead us
0: and we become responsive yeah we become responsive
1: yes
0: yes. so this reminds me of first john where he writes i speak to you children because you know who your father is i speak to Mm -hmm. you young men because you've overcome the evil one and i speak to you who have who know him who's been from the beginning however it's worded child young man or young person, adult, the child says, who am I in Christ? It's all about me, me, me uh, And then the next stage is more of a, okay, I am in Christ. Holy smokes. That's a huge, big deal. And the father level is us. We see Christ in all, all one. We see union. No
1: longer regard anyone according to the flesh. Yep.
0: Yep. Yes. So this journey of growing, if it doesn't make you look more like union, then you're not done. You have much more to right. go. And so I, I think there's room for teenage stages of hormones and spiritual growth. You get all those ups and downs. And, and it, it has nothing to do with our physical age. Yeah, absolutely. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's
0: <the>, or, <laughs> or how much knowledge you have. If you, I, I have seen, and I am seeing more and more, the more loving and quiet a person is in their approach to people that are difficult, that to me is a greater sign of maturity than constantly feeling they need to be the corrector, which is the system of control.
2: Agree. And and, and, and I want to share something because I, I'm just I'm, I'm hearing new stuff today just as we're talking. This is all <laughs> revving up off each other. But, you know, this idea of pixelation, we've talked about it before, but I've got this picture of Jesus on my iPad, but he's pixelated. You can still tell it's him or at least our image of him, yep. you know, but you can't really see the fine details on it. But wouldn't it be something if our spiritual walk was more about getting everything pixelated mm-hmm. so that we don't walk by sight see what the institutional with the church visible will want to do is make everything exactly visible orderly Everything is clear, structured no more thinking,
1: no more thinking. systematized. Tree of Everything knowledge, of being is, evil. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. But but what what if going through the wilderness? What if what what we're supposed to be doing is seeing nothing is that as it appears? You know, my spiritual dad Dewey Hammond was his name, but he's he's the one that led me into the deeper things of the spirit. The last thing he said to me, he was unconscious and he woke up and he said, he, he said, well, he actually, didn't say it to me. He said to the person standing next next to me, but he said. He said, Miriam, things are not as they appear. And, and that that was his last word. Man, those are great last words. I hope I get last words like that. But but uh things are not as they appear. So I always take that with me. But um, you know, I, I think that we maybe, maybe our challenge is that we become, we try to pixelate instead of trying to clarify something, we instead recognize that it's in a pixelated state. We can make out general, rough rough edges of what's going on but that's the best we can do and we need to be satisfied with that oh it's pixelated i don't have i can't make any conclusions i'm not judging anything before it's time but i tell you what i will do i'll look my best to see what i hear my best and and whatever outline i can see whatever pixelated limited understanding okay, i have yeah. i'm gonna pray with my whole heart you know the it, church
1: it, has instilled such a fear of moral relativism they really have they like i that was one of those things like whoa you and yet, when you step back, it's, everything is pixelated. There, there is no concrete stuff to any situation. If you dig back far enough, there's a brokenness. There's a path. There's a dis There's something yes. going on inside of every human being in every situation yes. that moves back to something that, that has cause and effect associated with it. And, and the, the good news, the hope is that when we look at that pixelated Christ. Uh, one of the things I was telling Christine the other day is I'm a big picture thinker. I just am. I see things big. If we can pull our consciousness back, if we can pull our view to Christ back far enough, that pixelated image turns into a clearer image, but a wider set image. Yes. The further back we get, the more we can see the whole story, which is back to your authenticity, right? We can see a whole a bigger picture. and We can go like Hitler was a terrible human being. And his father was an awful, unloving, legalistic father. And he went through hell to become the man he was. And when he was born, from whoever his mother was, whatever situation that was, he was a beautifully innocent child and toddler who was absolutely loved and innocent and joyful and creative and all the wonderful things that every other four-year-old is, right? Yes. We pull back. Now the pixelated image of Hitler comes this story that ends in sadness and tragedy, but it's much bigger and harder to judge with anything except compassion and grace.
2: Yes, and I, I tell you, I've got a Facebook friend who used to be a model. And I posted something one time, she sent me this story about how when she was a model that for a famous artist, that the artist would squint when he would, mm-hmm. when he would draw her. And uh, she asked me afterwards, why were you squinting? And he said, because the less I see, the more my gift can kick in and create what, I, when I'm, I'm, what I'm not seeing clearly. And I thought, man, that is such an incredible concept. That's exactly what we're talking about here. You know, we walk not by sight, but by faith. You know, the word idolatry means serving that which is seen by the eye. You know, that's what the word literally means. Eidos is eye. So mm-hmm. when Paul said we walk by faith, he said we, we don't walk by sight. We don't walk by eidos, but we walk by faith. So if idolatria, which is idolatry, means serving that which is seen, it's mean we're walking by by our by our natural vision and our natural understanding instead of supernatural vision and supernatural understanding, which comes from the spirit.
0: That's Mm. right. How would you guys respond to individuals who are questioning their past or wanting to grow deeper, confused by loud deconstructionists, but still see there's a there's value in the journey Uh, how would you counsel somebody walking down this road we got just a couple minutes left but what would you say to somebody who's honestly trying to figure out what do i do how do i process this what what would your response be (laughs) i'll jump jump in then we'll give you time to think i want to go back to the child young man father thing Mm -hmm. this is about growing up it is. It's not, it's not about a revival or a re, it's not about revival. It's, it's not about our rival, but it's about presence. And the more mature we become, pursue presence rather than right doctrine. Right doctrine comes from the wrong tree, being more right. So that that's where my initial thing is. Enjoy the journey. Jesus is in charge of your journey, no matter what or who you bump into. You're going to learn from it, but don't stop.
1: Well, I think there's a paradox here. So I'll, I'll, which is again, paradoxes are irrational, right? They're not something we can fully talk about. They're not something we can wrap our brain around. They're just, they're just too hard. But we can also, it's the faith seen and unseen, right? Paradox is a faith unseen, and in our growth of maturity, this is something I believe. And it, it, in a in a completely parallel sense, we become more and more immature. Mm. And Jesus articulated that, right? He said, yeah. become like the little children, right? He said, become like these little children, and shall inherit the kingdom of God, right? We have There's an inherent immaturity that comes with our spiritual maturation. And I, that's all I'll offer is, I think when you see people who are lighthearted in the most difficult of situations, people who have hope that doesn't make sense, those are the people that you may want to draw toward, draw near toward, because Somewhere deep down, whether they get it between the ears or not, I mean, I'm gonna say this. I, I know special needs people. I have a special needs nephew who, who doesn't have uh, the ability to process and, and articulate and contemplate some of the things that we would talk about. But there's a simplicity in his hope, and there's a simplicity in his faith, and there's a simplicity in his his understanding of others and his love.
0: That's more mature that I, than yours.
1: That 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 is. I, I want i need that right and i needed to let go of my certainties and just rest in the simplicity of what he has and like see God. that 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 child is full of goodwill they i i, I, right. I have the same experience they overflow
2: with goodwill Absolutely. that we have to struggle for to get to I, the only thing the only thing that i that, that i would say is cling on to the nature of jesus mm-hmm. let G, the nature of jesus always be your deconstructive guide if it's anything that's not, and, and goodwill is a good way to describe his, his, his nature. He's got nothing but goodwill towards us. Restorative will, curative will, redemptive will, rescuing will, healing will, all, all this, you know, that, that's his will. That's his nature. It's not his choices he's made. That's his nature. That's the way he is. And, uh, so just to cling on to that, and I think it's, what is it? Philippians 4, seven is that the one or 4.15, whichever the one that says, whatever things are, pure, virtuous, you know, yeah. think on these things, of good report, praiseworthy, think of these things. I i really think a lot of it is whatever, wherever you are, you must think on good things, always think of good things, even in the midst of turmoil and even in the midst of disaster, think on good things because that's what keeps us protected and, and, and in his in his cocoon. And I'm not saying that we won't experience pain or loss and that sort of thing or make horrible mistakes and all that, but I will say when we think on his nature, we're thinking on, we're thinking on him and that is renewing our mind to face the circumstances that we're facing with goodwill, even as, even, even if it's goodwill that's rejected and spit on at least, you know, at least we're walking in the goodwill of God. So that, that'd be my
1: advice.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Cause I heard you both say something about it. certainty is a major stumbling block. And so mystery being explored and and more warmly embraced might be a good gift i think this deconstruction that people are going through uh that i am going through and will be going through it's just called discipleship but really what's being undone is what wasn't really true anyway so we should not be afraid of it at all yeah Yeah, i think that's
1: the beautiful thing again paradox right there is mystery and that mystery we need to embrace it but the, the one thing we can be certain of one tangible piece we can behold right is jesus jesus just jesus right and so it's both there's mystery but there is a certainty i'm, so I'm okay with that one certain thing and, and for me jesus looks exactly or god looks exactly like jesus yeah
2: yeah i, I think it's a focused certainty and i know we've been talking pixelation which means not focused but <laughs> in that, there's paradox bill but it is focused. I'm more certain about Jesus than I ever have been. Absolutely. I'm less certain about most everything else.
0: Than exactly. I have. That's what I mean. Like when, when I'm talking about um, rethink the certainty that keeps us from actually having faith. Because if we have certainty, we don't require faith. We've exactly. Yeah. yeah. Amen. So, anyway, that's been fun. All right. Well, this was fun and i i'm i'm looking forward to listening to this again when we go live when i air this because i listen live while this is playing and i learn from it because i'm engaged with the conversation but to hear it later it's a whole new thing i love this i can hardly wait yeah well thanks i love it too
2: i love being with you guys all Love it. Right.
0: yep all right we're turning this off now thanks wow i hope you enjoyed that that was an awesome conversation Um, and it's an ongoing one, this particular concept of deconstruction, unlearning. Uh, I've been using the term unlearning for many, many years. And I think unlearning is far more painful, um, because it requires us to be more humble and admit we're wrong, or we don't know it all. That's kind of hard to do for some folks. (laughs) Depends on the topic too. So sometimes we have such assurance of our personal knowledge that, uh, uh, that assurance, kind of railroads or bulldozes over other people's opinions and opinions that we could learn from. I want to share with you a quote that um, was shared with me on Sunday. Uh, I was talking a little bit about this at my in my church message. Um, by the way, if you if you want to dig back into some really, I think the most foundational teachings on the centrality of christ i'm 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 hoping i i think i'm doing it right now on sunday mornings um i have a series started called the one the word and the uh the revealer speaking who is jesus really and so we're getting to like first john we're getting to colossians and and just kind of you know let's get back down to the basics and so hey jermaine good to see you there buddy um but this this quote i want to share with you this this When I was shared when it was shared with me, I said, "Please text this to me, Drew." And so this is what this is what he came up with. And I thought this is really really helpful. Deconstruction is a gentle, careful tear down with the purpose of reusing the material. Demolition is the destruction without repurpose. Ooh, I love that. To me, that's a, a. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's a, a, another layer of understanding what deconstruction is because there's a number of, of definitions out there. There isn't a singular definition. It's like this forgiveness conference that's coming up in January. You'll hear more about it soon. But there are multiple definitions, definitions and views or ways to see or understand what forgiveness is. And so having the understanding from others is really, really helpful. But deconstruction, um, yeah, like... Who's in charge of that? Not us. Then we t- we were talking about the gospel today, just a little bit. What is it? And I I've shared this quote many times, so let me share this with you. This is from a song, uh, but the song uh, by Ryan Stevenson called "The Gospel." He's actually getting a quote from Baxter Kruger, and yes, permission to use this in one of the songs it says the amazing news of the gospel is not that we can receive jesus into our lives but that he's already received us into his oh my i love that to me that is a message of hope if you hear that song uh really good song and then partway through he says the quote uh not singing it and it's it's to me that's the power of that song if there's you know something else you don't like in the other part so what it there's a way to grow and learn and realize that we we have not got it all figured out Anyway, I hope today's conversation was encouraging. Let me jump in and say hello to some folks. Howard uh, from Sorrento, BC. Good morning. Great seeing you uh, chiming in. Anna, I'm glad for all your comments. I'm not going to be able to read them all because you had too many. Ha ha. I love it. But it's fun. I do that too. I I love chatting along with the conversation. But because the conversation was pre-recorded, they couldn't see the comments. I'm seeing them as I'm going through. And they're great. Worth worth looking at. Uh, Let me hit down to yeah linda hey good morning linda hey i sent you uh i replied to your pm uh, it kind of got deleted so i sent you a, another one just now or this morning uh sandy good morning uh, uh thrilled to have you join in from the uk amazing and anna i don't know where you live anna but uh, maybe you'll tell us where that is all right gotta sign off i got lots going on Next week, I think we're going to have a conversation with Catherine Toon. Um, she interviewed me for one of her, her blogs, podcasts, and uh, it was video recorded. So I'm going to share that with Still Growing, Gr- Growing in Grace. And it's a topic of grief in COVID and, and uh, kind of what's happened in uh, just a conversation about loss, grief, how to handle it, and how COVID has affected um, our decision making in that. So I, I hope you'll appreciate that next week. That's it. You guys have a really, really great week. And uh, if you like this, share it. And if you didn't see part one, it's in the links below. Um, And then I'll update the YouTube link for those on Facebook. I'm going to update the link uh, because I'm going to re-upload this with the edited version with the countdown removed. That's it. Have a wonderful day. Catch you next time.